All right, thank you, instruments and orchestra. Appreciate you uh, helping to uh, add to our worship tonight. The songs obviously fitting with a theme of what I'm going to be preaching on tonight, which is Revelation chapter 4, which you're welcome to uh, head right there now. You guys can go ahead and put my PowerPoint up on the screen. I think it'll be popping up here soon. But anyhow, uh, Revelation chapter 4 is where I have been um, with the intention of being there for one message, which is now the third message of this section. Just did not feel like a jump uh, and do this, uh, this passage justice without spending just a little bit more time as we consider worship and uh, how would I approach God? Do I really see who he is? So that's really the main focus of this uh, kind of mini-series on worship that I've been doing. So with that, I have a question for you tonight. What is a cool place that you've been to? I feel like I might have asked this to some of you before in another service, but a cool place that you've been to, somewhere that you think is really neat, um, that you've gotten to, to be at before. Yes, Jackson. A trampoline park. Yes. Yes, those are very neat. The mother was like sweating over there. Not sure what he would say. All right, anything else? A neat place. Yes, sir. Northern Alaska in the wintertime. Northern Alaska in the wintertime. Just dark all the time. Is it cold too? Yeah, I suppose it is. Skip. Arctic Circle. Underwater. Underwater in the Arctic Circle. Were you looking out the windows? Yeah, it was 31, 30 degrees in the ocean. Okay. All right, you were you were inside a submarine, right? Okay, that's good. Anything else? I was gonna, sure, Jensen. Sparrow Swamp. Sparrow Swamp, where he's from. I'm glad that I'm glad that you've been there. I I don't think I've ever been there, so I don't know. I can't disagree with you, Drew. Alcatraz, because he's been to the real Alcatraz now. Yes, I think there's. I think uh, you've been to Soldier Field, right? Didn't you say you've been there before? So there's a few different places that people might think are very neat places to be. Uh, as a music person, I had to visit this on my way to Papua New Guinea. Uh, and you guys probably realize that that's the opera house there in Sydney, Australia. Really neat looking place uh, as, as you go there, to be there, uh, to be part of that, to watch, watch a, a, a performance there. Things really neat. It was something that I wasn't going to miss out on when I knew I could have a layover in Sydney. I was like leave me there a day or two. So uh, I got to go there. But uh, when we start talking about neat places to go, John really got to go to a neat place. You know, when you start talking about a performance, John really got to go to a performance. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit tonight as we continue on with this. Um, And who is God and how should I worship him? Am I viewing him the way that I need to view him right off in Revelation 1.19. Does anyone missing an outline? We're supposed to ask you, if you're missing an outline, guys in the back, are there any left over? They've got a few. Keep your hands up. Matt's going to run them around here and try to get them out for you. But, uh, so as we headed in, so just a quick review of the first two uh, messages I've done on this. We had in Revelation 1.19 kind of the outline of the book, right? The things Jesus says which you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place. Okay, what you've seen right then, the things which are, which is the church age then, uh, and then the things which will be in the future. And most of Revelation is those future events. As you start looking at the outline on your paper, we got the past events that happened right then that John was um, talking about in chapter 1. 
than the things which are the church, the churches, the seven churches of Revelation in chapters 2 through 3, and the future things which will take place, chapters 4 through 22. Uh, we are landing tonight in uh, chapter 4, though we'll, we'll look at a couple things in chapter 5 as well tonight, but basically we're right at the beginning of those future events as they start to take off for us. Um, the future events are broken out in 4 and 5 being the prologue or the prelude to the tribulation, we would say. Uh, the tribulation itself, 6 through 19. The millennial, the millennial kingdom, uh, chapter 20, and the eternal state, chapters 21 and 22. So you have that all right there, and always good to remind yourself and kind of just understand the flow of thought throughout revelation but especially where are we at tonight we're in a prelude a special time here firing up for the tribulation so keep that in mind as we go forward so then reviewing some of the things that we've talked about um, go ahead and open your bibles to revelation chapter 4 if you would i'm going to have some of it up on the screen but then you might want to just be referencing it as we uh, continue forward i'm going to open my bible there as well um, as we head there into the uh, throne room here in chapter 4, I'm just going to start reading through the passages that we've already covered. It says in verse 1, After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. The trumpet is the powerful sound that he heard calling him up. The sound of God is powerful. Um, it's saying, come up here. The one who is uh, welcome to invite people into heaven is God himself. His son, Jesus Christ, or God himself are the ones that could invite you in. Not St. Peter, um, not something else, not someone else. It's God himself calling people in. Calls uh, John up uh, and it says, he's going to show him the things that take place after this saying this is our transition to the future events. Church age done, here's the future events. And very important for that transition to happen to understand who would be in heaven at that point. All right, so uh, verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. So uh, he's in the Spirit. We were saying that a body can't handle uh, seeing God, so he has to be in the Spirit at this point in heaven. Uh, the throne is the main focus of this whole chapter. Lots of prepositional phrases as you scan through the chapter, at the throne, around the throne, before the throne, all these things. The throne is the focus of John as he is there writing down what he sees. Remember, he's writing down what he sees. He's not necessarily writing everything uh, perfectly. I don't want to say that in a wrong way, but you understand it's from his perception of what he sees and trying to describe it to other humans, what he's seeing. Because what, it, what he's actually seeing might not be understood by us anyways. So he's writing down what he perceives and is able to see and trying to explain it to us in that way. In the spirit, he sees this throne set in heaven. The throne, prominent, it's set, it's permanent throne. It's a king on the throne. It's, uh, it's immovable. And the king sat on that throne. The Ancient of Days, sitting there, watching over the world, proclaiming his judgment. Okay, we see him a few different places in Scripture there on his throne, and we've looked at those. The throne is in a temple, we mentioned as well. And as I've meditated on that more, uh, it also mentions later in uh, Revelation 21 that the temple are God. Uh, the temple is God and the Lamb. And so that's kind of confusing to us that the throne's in the temple, but the temple's the, the, the God and the Lamb. And so I really thought about that. Okay, so wherever 
in my mind, the way I'm thinking about this, wherever God is or the Lamb, that is worship place. Okay, so in, in a sense, anywhere that they would be would be temple. Anywhere that God is, is worship place. Now, it's that he's there, but I think that's probably, that's the way I'm, I'm picturing this. Some of you can, maybe you've thought about it a different way. This could share with me later. Moving on to verse 3, it said, And he who sat there was like a jasper and sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. The jasper, um, clear, crystal, uh, diamond-like, if you would. Sardius, the ruby red uh, stone. And so we have a picture from various uh, accounts of the throne room from Ezekiel uh, that it's like fire. Okay, is almost the picture of there is what he looks like. And there was a rainbow that looks green, it seems, which we're saying is maybe even some sort of halo or something happening from all the refraction of light that's going on around this time uh, in this view, in this place. Revelation 5 through the beginning of verse 6 says, And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices, seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. <coughs> so more things about uh, what it looks like there. A little bit about sound as well. Lightnings and thunderings and voices. This is God in judgment mode. We talked about uh, the seven lamps. Is that The Spirit is there as well. So we've got God the Father. We've got the Spirit showing up. The fullness of the Spirit uh, pictured by the seven, uh, the seven spirits of God saying by the seven, pictured by the seven lamps there. Uh, the menorah we talked about even, as was in the temple or the uh, tabernacle. Uh, and so uh, the Spirit is there. And then in chapter 5, who else is there? The Lamb, the Lamb right. Jesus Christ. So you have all three of the Trinity seen right there in this passage. So uh, the sea of glass also right there. Probably not actually water, but even just more glass and more refracting, more light. Uh, illumination going on from all this kind of glass crystal type of looking thing that's going on. Just trying to wrap your mind around what that is is impossible for us. And John's trying to describe it. Jumping back to verse 4, because I skipped that one, because this was my second message. I started talking about some of the different beings that were there. Okay, so some of what he saw, we just read about. The beings in verse 4, around the throne were 24 thrones. And on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes. They had crowns of gold on their heads. I suggested to you that these were the, the saints of the church age that have been resurrected at the tribula- uh, beginning of the tribulation, right before it started, at the rapture. We, we lend ourselves to thinking that because we're told that we will rule on thrones. We will have white robes. We will have crowns at the bema seat of Christ that he will give to us. And so we would already have our crowns at that point, assuming that our, our uh, interpretation of end times is correct. This is what it seems like they would be, um, that, that it would be actually Christians there, a representative group of the Christians, 24, right? And so would that be a rotating group? Would that be, we don't know entirely, right? There's things that we don't know. It might be that there's a rotation and that you'd get to serve as part of this as well and what they do there before the throne. But there's 24 for this event, at least, there before the throne of God, which were not there in Isaiah prior to the rapture. 
Okay, not mentioned at all. Okay, moving on. There's also in uh, verse 6b and uh, through a, 8a, uh, another living creature. So, and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures, full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had the face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And this description to us is just so mind-boggling of what is this exactly going on. And uh, we see these same creatures in Isaiah, who calls them the seraphim, who have a similar song there, uh, assuming he's calling them the fiery ones. John's calling them it's a living creature there. Um, Ezekiel called it a living creature. Then later in his book, he says, and those were the cherubim. Uh, so we are assuming that these, uh, this uh, creature, angelic creature, is actually the cherubim, which is mentioned a few other times, shows up. Where else do the cherubim show up or a cherub show up? You remember where else they show up in the Bible? They show up in Ezekiel. Where else do they show up? Eden. They're protecting the... Isaiah is, is the seraphim is what we're assuming, yes, if we're correct. Um, Eden, they're protecting the tree of the knowledge of good and evil as, as they're kicked out. A cherubim is there with a sword, fiery sword. And then, what's that? The Holy of Holies, that they put a, put a symbol of them, an image of them over the... Over it, and there's some cherubim even in some doors that they have them engraved in doors and different things. But then, have you heard of the anointed cherub? The anointed cherub was Lucifer. So, one of these amazing beings that looks like this with eyes we're assuming on the faces, but then also on wheels that are around them, described by Ezekiel, powerful beings presence of God beings that are there with him and seem to be at his every whim. Lucifer is one of them. Okay, so when you start thinking about one of the main jobs of these creatures seems to be holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. As we talk about that, then thinking about Lucifer not willing to say that anymore. Okay, so there's kind of a, a little bit of interesting things going on as we consider these creatures and all that they were. They're in the midst and around the throne, seeming to be moving, is what we would take that as. They have four faces. Um, John puts it as they, there's four of the, uh, each creature has a different face. We're assuming that was his perspective, or they can display themselves differently at different times. Uh, but Ezekiel says that they have all four of those faces on them. John may have just been seeing them from one perspective. Okay, so six wings covering feet, covering their face in the holy, before the holiness of God. And with a set of wings they are flying, we see from other passages. All right, so those two messages I gave were about what is seen at the throne. This, uh, what I'm heading into now is what is heard at the throne um, more in specifically what we're calling songs or hymns there before the throne. Uh, it went from one message to two messages this is my third. There will be a fourth. So uh, what is heard before the throne? We're going to cover the chapter four once tonight. We'll get to chapter five another time, especially since my daughter tells me I'm not allowed to go very long. Um, the, what is it with kids these days? Okay, so back to the Sydney Opera House. As we start to think um, about these sights of heaven, 
And I was there for the sights of the opera house. It was very neat, but I was there to see a show as well. And so a lot of anticipation for it. And then it's showtime. What kind of program will they put together? Okay, a music program typically is going to try to have some interest to it. It's going to be um, maybe have a theme to it. Okay, so when I'm going to see that show, I got to see uh, there's Ride of the Valkyries, some other things or whatever that they had in there. Don't really remember it all now. But look at what's happening here um, in this passage of Revelation 4 and chapter 5 as we look at my first point, the crescendo of praise toward the throne. So that's one of your blanks, crescendo. It's a musical term saying it is growing. So go ahead and take a look with me at this uh, these passages that are written down under a crescendo of praise, starting with Revelation 4, 8. Okay, there's five hymns of praise, sort of, within this program. I'm calling it a program or some sort of cantata type of thing that are leading up to the seals of the tribulation being broken open. Okay, so we're looking at the first two tonight. But Revelation 4, 8, how many people or how many beings are involved in that song. Revelation 4.8 gives you your answer. There's four living creatures. Okay, write that down. That's your first answer, four living creatures. The next one, 4, 10, and 11, what do we have now? Now we have 24 elders. There's your answer. And I want you to see what's happening here. Revelation 5.8, what do we have? hearing people say it we have 28 we have the four creatures plus the 24 elders plus he shows up but what what's what are they using for this song still there's still more involved in that there's 28 the creatures the elders and harps they all have harps in their hand okay so think about the sound is growing Okay, we're talking about a crescendo, which is a growth of sound. What's the next? Uh, so that's uh, 28 plus ad harps. Okay, no, uh, Revelation 5.11. The 28 beings, what else? We're assuming the harps are still there. And then angels, lots of them, maybe all of them. I don't really know. Okay, we don't know, but there's a lot. So now there's a lot coming around. Okay, and then the last one, Revelation 5.13, how many are there before at that song? Every creature everywhere. All of them in heaven, all of them in earth, under the earth, in the waters. Okay, so we're headed to the chapter 5 once next time and what they're, what they're talking about in there and how will that influence our worship as well. But when you see God, what are the things that we would talk about? But part of this show, if you will, or cantata of what's going on in this prelude of the tribulation is that there's, there's a growth of sound happening. And I think this is neat. Okay, because I'm a music person. Uh, I guess you could also say that Revelation 5.14 then finishes up with some amens. Right from just a few then. So it's kind of like it builds huge and then it's like those creatures get amen, amen, amen or something. 
okay? So think about this as a program that you're watching and then all creatures everywhere. Think about vibration. You know, they, they have videos of during COVID, I think people out on the balconies in New York or whatever as the, the nurses and everybody goes home, right? And, but now think about vibration everywhere. Okay, this is the experience that somehow John's able to see or hear. Whether everyone on earth hears that or not, I don't know, but it's, it's a lot. And it's building to this huge, massive moment. Okay, so uh, God, like us, appreciates a music program. I really see that as, as there's a building that happens. It's not an invention of man, but of God. And we, in his image, appreciate that and often do things like that as well. So appreciate what's happening here in Revelation 4 and 5 as this, this scene unfolds. All right, so let's move on to your second point, which is the hymns of creation. Um, today in chapter 4, we're going to be looking at hymns about creation. And some of it might not be that obvious to you as a quick read happens over these, but uh, the first two of these five pieces kind of that happen throughout this have to do really with creation, the first one being by the hymn of the living creatures. So jumping back into um, chapter 4, and I'm just going to give you the answers right now. There's the answers for your blank, so I don't have to mess with them anymore. Those are the ones I wrote down. Okay, he's holy, he's almighty, He's Yahweh, but now we're going to talk about some of these things. These show up as themes within their songs. Do they show up in our songs too? I think so. Think about that. We'll come back and listen to some of the songs that you, that you uh, think we include some of these ideas in. Uh, so here we go with Revelation 4, 8. Also, since we've heard these beings also singing and saying things in Isaiah 6, 3. I put both those up there to even see the similarities in the two songs. So first of all, Within this, remember what we said. These cherubims, we're assuming, powerful beings, scary to Ezekiel, okay, in amazement because of, of who they are, yet they realize who they are before God who's on the throne. Okay, What are they doing because they know who he is? What are they going to do? And they know who he is. Okay? As the earth was created, you know, they're, they're around seeing this. They know a lot. And so how do they place themselves before this God? Humility, seeing themselves as different from a great God, honor, respect. So let's see what they say. First of all, they say, holy, holy, holy. In both cases, they say, holy, holy, holy. What do you think of when the word holy? We've, we preach on it often. What are some words that come to your mind as you think about holy? Righteous, purity with that. What else? Set apart. Anything else? Those are the ones that you normally hear. Okay. I don't want to call off somebody if they had another idea. With holiness, it is purity. It is separate. Uh, But we usually say it's just the summation of all that God is. I could talk about what is holy. He's all-powerful. He's the only one that's all-powerful. So he's set apart and he's different that way. I could talk about every attribute of him and it all fits within he's holy. He's so different that it's hard to explain all of it. Um, he's so magnificent, right? So when it's his holiness, grab that idea of he's just, a, it's, it's who God is 
It's just he is holy. He's just all of that. It's said three times. My Bible also said that in a majority text, it says nine times. Holy, 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 holy. Uh, but often repeated for emphasis. Maybe it's kind of a cascading holy, holy, holy sort of thing that's going on. Uh, but it's definitely emphasizing that our God is so separate and different. And these angelic beings of power are saying, God is different. God is amazing. And I'm singing to him. The next thing that comes up immediately after that in both songs is the word Lord. In Isaiah, it's very clear that that is Yahweh. Jehovah, we would say sometimes. But this, this uh, I am God. Uh, and, and it's important because within that word itself as well is who God is. He's holy. He's separate. But now we're defining some things. He's the, he, he's the Yahweh. He's the I am. So I have some uh, things here on defining who God is, or Yahweh, Lord. He brings into existence anything that exists. He's the I am, no beginning, and everything comes out of him. He did not come into being, so he cannot come out of being, because he is being. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the standard of what is right, what is true, what is beautiful. John Piper says, God is absolute reality. There is no reality before him. There's no reality outside of him unless he wills it and makes it. He is all that was eternally. No space, no universe, no emptiness, only God. And that's hard for me to think. I often think of before creation as being empty space, boring empty space. But it wasn't. Before creation of anything, it was God. And everything, including emptiness of space, comes out of him. So this, this is all tied up with Yahweh, the I am, that there is nothing except him and what comes out of him. So amazing when they say, holy, 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 separate, 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 and awesome is Yahweh that everything comes out of. And so there you have a song of creation because everything is from Him. So see that as, as why we're calling this section hymns of creation. Let's move on. Um, also in this uh, verses we see in the Revelation passage, the Lord God Almighty. So I want to just break down this word Almighty here for you a little bit. Uh, there's some, I think you have some cross-references there underneath. If you guys could be looking up some of those verses for me, that would be great. I'll have some of you read those out loud right now about Almighty uh, cross-references, but just in case you're unsure, again, now we had holy, he's totally different. He is Yahweh, which encompasses all this stuff too, but now we're going to get into some more of those details for you in case you're not sure all of what who I am is. Okay, now he's specifying it more in the song a little bit and saying he is God, capital G, the one God, the Almighty, which is tied up into he has to be almighty to do what he does. Okay, so let's, let's hear some of these verses that you have. Can I? And they're not in order. 
on there. Um, Psalm 115.3. Does anyone have Psalm 115.3? Mr. Kauser. Mm-hmm. He does whatever he pleases. That's, that's powerful. We'll come back to that again later. Um, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Kyle? I put that section in there because it's showing the Almighty. It's Almighty, but it never runs out. It says He neither faints nor gets weary. He has strength to give. Okay, so it's, it's this all-powerfulness that doesn't run out either. We kind of see in that passage. His power is not just to help, um, to help people, but it's also overpowering strength that cannot be withstood in the judgment of the wicked, which is what we're looking at here in Revelation that's about to happen. So does someone have Nahum 1.6? Jensen. What a picture. Can throw rocks. It's nothing to him. I, I think of as well of Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage? The people plot a vain thing. Kings of the earth set themselves uh, high, you know, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, saying, let's break the bonds and so forth. But he who sits in heaven laughs. <laughs> what is that? You can't, you have nothing. The Lord shall hold them in derision, right? Part of his all-powerfulness. Psalm ninety eleven. Manning. We haven't even seen all the power that he has. And you'll get, see a little taste of it really in the tribulation. He could do so much more because he's made it all and he can do anything. So who really understands that? All right, moving on. Um, who was and is and is to come is in that passage of Revelation 4.8, also as part of their song. And so does someone have, I mean, that speaks to what? He was, is, and is to come. Eternal. Eternality, okay? So uh, Psalm 90, verse 2. Does anyone have that one? Um, yes. Okay, so we're going to pause there for having you guys uh, read verses so you don't have to keep looking around. But before the mountains are there, he's there. He's everlasting to everlasting. That, that I am that's so hard for us to comprehend as humans. So think of animals. Are they eternal? Have, they, have eternality? No. What do they have? They have a beginning and they have an end. Some of you might not like that. As far as we can tell, that's how it is, especially as Jensen eats them. <laughs> Angels and people, what do they have? We have a beginning, and then we're eternal, because God's made us that way. God, no beginning, no end. 
all tied up into who he is. Who can resist one who reigns forever? Who could resist a God like this that's all-powerful and so amazing? Um, Isaiah, if you get into that parallel passage there, holy, holy, holy Lord of hosts, what are they saying there? They're saying he's the Yahweh, he's the creator God of the hosts even, and we are submissive to him the seraphim, uh, they're saying, cherubim most likely, uh, saying he is our Lord. He's the one who's created the I am of the host as well. Uh, and the whole earth is full of his glory. As we look at the world around us, we see God's wisdom, his power. You know, when the whole earth is full of his glory, what does that mean? We see his creativity. You can start breaking those words down into so much more creativity. There's shape, there's color, there's living, there's non-living, there's underwater, there's ground, there's air, there's mountains, there's deserts, there's plains, there's valleys, rivers, waterfalls. So much creativity. And all of this is his glory of who he is. Uh, Truly an awesome God, which is spelled out here in the word Holy, 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 which is spelled out in the word Lord Yahweh, which then is specified in some different ways for us here. And then we get to the song of the elders as we keep going. It says uh, the, the 24 elders representing what we believe is the church, the resurrected church after the rapture, wearing their, their, their crowns, their white robes, ruling, ruling from the thrones. Um, And it says, whenever, in chapter 4, verse 9, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever. So the word whenever tells us what? It's a response, right? Whenever they do this, then they do this. These elders do this. Is that all the time happening? Or is it part of this special cantata show type of thing that's going on up to, the, up to this uh, tribulation? Not sure, but um, whenever the living creatures say this, the 24 elders shout, dance, hand pumps in the air, right? No. What, is it? what does it say in verse 10? What do they do in this worship scene? The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. They worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, and then we get into the song. So some of this is what you see there before the throne, not just what's heard, but uh, I felt like I wanted to mention this again um, with this. Uh, they, they take their position very seriously. They're not seeing themselves as great again. Right, Even though they're kings made to co-reign, they say, whoa, there is a greater king. <laughs> right, Off with the crown, let's bow down. Okay, In this awesome scene, as they're going to sing, they, they submit. They show their submission as a king to the king of kings, which is a, a neat thing here that I don't want you to miss. It's the first time they fall down of six times in the book of Revelation. So they fall down and worship in this way. So verse 11 then gets into what they say. And assuming they cast their crowns, if they do it every time that the angels say, holy, 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 in theory, they're taking those crowns back up to do again at the next time that those angels say, holy, holy, holy. Um, so verse 11, you are worthy, O Lord. Here's their song. There's their hymn. You're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. 
some of the words I wanted to point out again that are similar. They mention the same word, Lord. Right? They're acknowledging him there in that word, Lord, again, as at least they're submissive to him, but also, again, likely the whole Yahweh is there right there before him. They're agreeing with the angelic beings on, on who this God is by calling him Lord, uh, the Jehovah, the I Am. So I wanted to think about this in this verse. I wanted to think about why is he worthy and what is he worthy of, okay, as we kind of conclude this chapter. And first I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump there and say, um, why is he worthy? It says that he created all things. He created some things. No, he created all things. Okay, this, is, this, this could uh, help support our position of what we believe about not, not just things evolving, right? God created, he created all things. I know that you might be able to take that a few different ways, but what a great God. And he's worthy because he's the creator. He doesn't just stop with creation. It's, it's by your will they exist. And with that, there's a, a better translation of that would be, be because of your will they continually exist, come into being. It's this continuing idea of existence, his hand in sustaining, you would say, which goes along with Colossians 1, 15, 17, which says, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him and all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist and are sustained it's not just creation it's sustenance that we have to continue existing so they point that out i think one of the amazing things in this verse is those two words that just started being underlined your will again that's jumping back to the similar song of the angels about his almightiness by your will they exist and I was just, as I meditated on that a little, as I thought about it a little, you know, people say things, especially in the education world, they try to fire people up and get them going. And they say things like, if you can, you're only limited by your imagination. You, child, you can do anything you can think of. Believe and you can achieve. And... Though that rhymes really nicely. <laughs> I can imagine quite a bit. You know, I was the, the teacher that people called a dream breaker probably because this kid's like, I'm going to be, I'm going to play for the Carolina Panthers, which, I mean, they might be bad enough, but <laughs> I'm going to play for the Carolina Panthers. And I'm like, dude, I've seen you out on the, out on the playground. You're, you're not. Come sing with me in chorus, you know. <laughs> Let's be, let's be realists here. But, you know, I can imagine myself opening a portal to going wherever I want on the earth. I can imagine myself playing the piano really well. My wife says I, I don't still. Um, I can imagine so many things. And it, it, just because I will it to be, it's not going to happen. But God... By your will, just by his will, I will this. And it exists and is sustained. 
And that's amazing. That is worthy of bowing before someone, a God who can do that. The Let me see where that, I think I might have. Uh... Oh, I guess this has to do with that. Daniel 4.35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven. Kind of supporting that. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10, for I am God and there is no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring the end from the beginning. Okay, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. That powerful will of God that no one can, no one can stop. So we said, why is he worthy? Because he created all things. He helps them exist. By his will, he makes things happen. He's the almighty. He is the I am. And because of who he is, he is to receive glory, honor, and power. He's worthy to receive these things because of who he is. Not another emperor deserves this. Not another sports hero of yours. Um, None of them deserve all of your focus. God deserves it all. Okay, and look at this as it says this in Revelation 4, to receive glory and honor and power because you're the maker. If you break this down a little bit, glory I know many of you, as we're running out of time, uh, but actually the, the wilds people, they know that verse. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether therefore you, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, saying that my life will be a glory to God, but he is glory. And my life will reflect that toward him. It's almost like he's given it to me and I'm, I'm giving that back to him. I'll, glor- I'll glorify any glory he's glorified me, gloried me in. I'll give back to him. But all that I do will be for him. All my praises will be for him and not just for my own sensory pleasure. Everything I do is for God. Think of something that maybe you can change this week as we get through these right now. Everything I do for God, not for self, not for someone else, but for God. Is everything I do for God always my best. We have the word honor, which is a big word in our house right now. We discussed it even in Sunday school this morning. Um, you need to honor your parent, you disrespectful offspring of Bridget. Isn't that like we always blame it on the spouse a little bit when we're trying to like get honor? But that's not what I say. I don't really talk like that around the house. But um, honor, respect, and view of prestige toward God because of a place. We talked about placements of honor, that we have some honor. We are humans in God's image. And then your boss has more honor maybe than you. You know, and then well, now you're talking about the I am honor. And honor is his. Glory, honor. He will have my honor. Proverbs 3, 9, which is one of those references below, says, honor the Lord with your possessions. And the first fruits of all your increase, part of your honoring of God is just giving back to him. This is yours. Here you go. I honor you. I, I, I pay homage to you. You are my king. So build a new auditorium, you guys. Power. 
It only makes sense to me that this is speaking of God deserves all of my power. Because he already is power. He's all-powerful. And so does he have my power as well, that all of this, to receive glory and honor power? I'm taking this as being from me as well, that he has my power. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your all of your strength, mind, and strength. It says strength. That's your power. And I love the Lord my God with all of that, which gives you your, your blank, which I didn't want to give you early because I knew you'd put everything away and take a nap. There's your last blank. He's worthy of your full surrender. He's worthy of it all. He's worthy of your glory, your honor, your power. He's worthy of your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. He's worthy of all of it because he's your maker. You know, a dad might say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. But there is someone who really can, who really brought you into this world. And his, he's firing up for judgment in this passage. And he's going to start taking some people out. And he has every right to do that because everything comes out of him. And he's worthy of your full surrender and your full homage. You guys think of some songs that maybe include some of these themes that we've talked about tonight? How great thou art as we see the creation. Then sings my soul, how great thou art. Have a servant's heart. Have a servant's heart. To God be the glory, great things he's done. Holy, holy, holy. Hark the herald angels sing. That's good. Thought of a few. I was thinking immortal, invisible, God only wise. You start talking about his attributes, right? You're talking about those parts of who the I am is. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice with us sing. When you start thinking about all the creatures joining in these songs and things. Truly amazing. So as we as we if, as we conclude tonight. The show I went to anticipated awesome place I fell asleep (laughs) I had jet lag so bad so don't be like that tonight and walk away doing nothing with this like I did for that thing I really anticipated and looked forward to but your conclusion tonight except for those of you who slept through this how will you approach your maker in worship? How will you give honor or glory, honor, and power to him this week as you continue to think on these things? What will you do? Where can you take this? And so we'll finish up, um, finish up next time of what I plan to do in Revelation with these songs of the prelude to the tribulation uh, with the songs of redemption which is kind of what we see in chapter 5 and who is worthy there as well. 